Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, Dream Builder? We are back again with another episode where, you know, I'm always excited, but I'm excited because I get to talk to such phenomenal people and I get the opportunity to be able to learn just like you. And so without further ado, please help me in welcoming my friend, Mr. Michael Blank to the show. Michael, you want to go ahead and say what's up to Dream Nation? Hey, what's going on, Dream Nation? Let's do this. Let's do it. Hey, so the way that I always start off the episodes is I always like to compare us as entrepreneurs, thought leaders, change makers to superheroes. And the reason being is because we're constantly, we're flying around the world, whether that means literally hopping on planes or even virtually now, uh, we're inside of people's living rooms and inside of their ears and their minds. We're putting on our cape. And we're trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems. And so I know that that's something that you've been doing specifically through teaching people about financial freedom. But one of the things that I always like to ask is, who's the man behind the scenes? And when I say that, I mean, a lot of the times when I'm comparing us to superheroes, if you think of Superman, you know who Superman is. But a lot of the times you maybe can't describe who is the guy behind the cape? Who is that Clark Kent? So I want to ask you the question. Let's take it all the way back before we get into the meat and potatoes of how to become financially free through real estate. Tell us when there's no cape on, who is that Clark Kent for Michael Blank? Yeah, you know, it was, it was, I read that awful purple book in 2005, I think, you know, that's kind of where the story starts a little bit. And, you know, like so many people watching or, or listening to this, you know, they're in a similar situation to have some kind of job and they can't see themselves working another 20, 20 years. And then you read that, that dumb book and it plants a bunch of seeds in your brain, but it, it doesn't tell you the exact strategy. It mentions things like cash flow business and, 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 and real estate, but it doesn't tell you how to actually get there. But when I read that when, book, when we talk about the purple book, we're talking oh, rich about dad, rich dad, poor dad. Ah, there's only right. one horrible purple book and it's got to right, be that one. Just you for know, anybody just first second look at it. And, you know, and so at the time I was working for a software company and, you know, like so many people, whatever their, their W2 job is. And I read that book and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot. You know, it doesn't matter what my salary is or what I had. And I had a bunch of money from the IPO in this, in this company that I, you know, I joined in the late nineties. And I was like, man, I got to change my life, you know? And so like six months later, I quit my, I walk home and I said, honey, honey, I, I quit my job. She goes, you did what? That shouldn't you maybe talk about this first? Right. And so my mission literally became financial freedom. Right. And, 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 and there's two ways to do it, cash flow business and real estate. So I did the next best thing. I got into a pizza franchise. I mean, wouldn't you do the same, Casanova, right? I mean, you do the same thing. Well, that's what I did. I love and, pizza. And I flipped a couple houses. I, I took a seminar here and I alert, you know, I just, I just embraced it. I, I'm a natural learner and I embraced it. And I'll make a long story very short. I subsequently lost my IPO millions uh, in the restaurant experiment. I lost all my money. I, I was luckily able to get $200,000 in unsecured debt before the recession, uh, which I was able to leverage to get myself out without getting sued because I had like eight restaurants at the time. And it was a, it was a nightmare. I almost lost my house. And, uh, 
And then I clawed my way out of real estate because I remember the other part of it was real estate. So I started to flip houses, obviously. And so I was successful flipping houses. We flipped like three dozen houses and making money and losing money on the restaurants while it was going. I'm trying to extricate myself out of the restaurant. So I'm working like 80 hours a week, literally making absolutely no money at all. Like making money here and then losing it over here. And then I accidentally got into a, an apartment building and it was a nightmare. I mean, it was a nightmare. It was 2011. It was a nightmare. And then after about 12 months, it kind of stabilized and it got super boring. Uh, but it was sending me like 1500 bucks a month. I was like, daggone it. I should do more of that and less of this. And that's kind of when the light bulb went off a little bit. And man, I mean, my journey to financial freedom took like nine years and it was all, I mean, I lost a lot of money and a lot of gray hair out of it. And so when I sat down and I started blogging about real estate and about apartment buildings, I kind of developed this mission, which is financial freedom with real estate. How do you do it? I try to answer that question. And I've done, you know, I've done almost, I've wholesaled, I've, I've lease options, I've landlorded, and I've flipped houses. And none of those things really got me to the end goal, except this, this apartment building. But the problem with apartment buildings is it's considered kind of an advanced strategy that requires a lot of money and a lot of experience. And now in hindsight, I know that none of those things are true. So our entire platform is, hey, you want financial freedom with real estate? Well, I'm going to I'm going to show you how to do it, but it's not going to involve single family houses. You know, and it's not this is why when we did this book, it has nothing about apartments in the title because if I put apartments in the title, no one's going to read the damn book. And and so we talk about that shift from single family house investing to apartments and that you don't need experience, and you don't need a million dollars in the bank. And so that's our entire mission. That's what's behind the cape. I, I love it. I love it. So, but talk to me when I say behind the cape, and that makes it even more exciting to get into this because it is a hot topic. And I think it's something that a lot of people would think is advanced, but that was where they like to scale into is apartments, right? A lot of people love to skip single families, but it feels like it's too hard. But before we get into all of that, talk to me about though, for me, a lot of my audience, they follow me, they listen to me because of my story. So when I say like, how to like talk to me about who is Michael Blank though, right? So what do I mean by that? I guess talk to me about wh what is the transformation that you had in life that gave you the 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 thing that says, hey, I got to get into business in the beginning because you had the pizza shop and then real estate. Like talk to me about your upbringing. Did you come from entrepreneurship? Did you come from a family who understood real estate and business? What was that like of how you made that transition into being a business owner? Yeah, none of those things. So I was not surrounded by entrepreneurs and I was not surrounded by real estate. So I was, it, when I just, when I had rich dad, poor dad, it literally, I mean, it really hit me upside the head because I'm like passive income. It makes so much sense, but where where has this been all my life? Like the idea of passive income from real estate never occurred to me. I don't know why. I, I've been on a rock, I guess, for so many years. And so when I read that book, I, it really made my mission to pursue financial freedom. And I did it with a cash flow business that was misguided and with uh, real estate investing strategies that now in hindsight never have, would have gotten me quite to my to my goal. And that's really my journey. I thought I had it solved, didn't have it solved lost everything and then, you know, kind of discovered it through that, that process. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because a lot of people think they need to flip a house or bird, use a bird method or buy crypto or whatever. Right. And, and, and I never thought through 
where it's going to end. Like, you know, they're talking about the ladder of success. You're climbing up the ladder of success, whatever you think your ladder of success is. Then after many years and hard work, you're at the top. You're like, yes, I made it. And then you realize that the ladder is up against the wrong wall. And that's exactly what happened to me. I see a lot of people do that. They lose years pursuing a strategy that's not going to actually give them what they wanted initially. That's what happened to me. Hmm. So, all right, now we're back into it. And let's talk about why apartment buildings first off, because um, for a lot of people, they say, hey, you know what? I would love that cash flow. Um, but at the same time, it is it, it takes longer is what it feels like. The cycle takes longer. Whereas if I flip a house, I could probably get that money a lot sooner. Um, I don't need to manage as many tenants. Why do you say apartment buildings is the way to financial freedom? Well, let's talk about why why other things are not. Before we get to the solution, right? The problem is pick your favorite, pick your favorite real estate strategy and I'll maybe pick some holes in it. Okay. So let's go Burr method. Burr method. Okay. Burr method. Great. The Burr method is much better than the flipping or wholesaling, right? Because Mm -hmm. in flipping, if you're not buying, fixing and selling, then the money stops, you're not making money. And worse, once you sell it, there's no residual income. So that's the worst, but it's by far the most exciting, kind of like investing in crypto. So it's the most exciting of, of the other ones. The less exciting and the better is if you buy and hold, right? So you buy something, you buy a house, you get some cash flow, you fix it up a little bit. Instead of flipping it, you then refinance it and then you do it again. <clears throat> now, that's not a bad plan. You could do one of these maybe a year and then in, in five five to 10 years, you can have 10 of these properties and then you can probably cover some of your living expenses. Now, if you're a high income earner, you can have to do a lot of birds to get the $10,000 a month. Like you got $200 a month in, in, in a house, which is hard to get in most parts of the country, right? I need 50 of those suckers. I need to burn 50 houses to get the 10 grand a month. I did the math on this and I'm like, holy smokes, I'm not doing that, right? So if you're co- trying to cover $3,000 a month, you can probably burn yourself there in about five, five years. Mm-hmm. The problem is scale. You talk to anyone who has fi- become financially free with real estate, and I interview them on my podcast, it's called Financial Freedom with Real Estate. I also understand how people become financially free. And, and in many cases, people start with single family house investing and then realize they can't get there. They can't scale fast enough. And that's when they kind of scratch their head going, well, shoot, how am I going to get there? And they don't know. Oh, there's apartment buildings or commercial real estate. I heard about that, but that's so far in the future. I need so much money, so much experience, and they dismiss it as a strategy. And we teach people you don't need any real estate experience at all. And people are doing their first apartment building deal without any previous real estate experience. It's a complete myth. Hmm. So let's talk about that. How would, if, if somebody's coming to you and they're brand new, let's say they, they have $1,000 that they can invest, right? And, and, but they want to get into apartment, uh, they want to get into apartment buildings. Are you telling them, hey, the best thing you can do is go find the deal? Are you telling them, hey, go find a real estate agent, right? A, a commercial broker that could help you with the apartments and then you go find the money um, and they'll find the deal. What is the, what's the best strategy that you always recommend? The, the, the What's thing the that, first step? Yeah, the, the first step is a, is a mindset shift around your own resources. So you said it only has $1,000. Okay, that means, well, I don't have enough money. I don't even have money to, to, buy, to buy a house. So it's the same thing. If you're, if you're going to burr a house, you, you're not going to do it with $1,000. You need some, some money for a down payment and maybe some repairs. Yes, you're going to get a loan, but $1,000 is probably not going to cut it. However, 
in an apartment syndication, $1,000 might cut it. There are people who have no money at all who are successful. And, that, and the, the mindset shift is that you are not limited by your own resources because you're losing other people's resources. And that was a big mindset shift. When I got into house flipping, I had my money deployed in the restaurants, but I wanted to flip houses so bad. It was 2009 because there were so many foreclosures in the market at the time and the retail market had recovered. And I was like, man, I can buy a house for 80 grand, put 30 in it and sell it for 190. Like, how do I do it? How do I do it? And the answer is with other people's money. And so it's the same thing with apartments. If if you grasp the idea that you can raise money from someone to do something else with, which is which is what, what a syndication really is. I mean, I can syndicate anything. In this case, apartment bill. I can syndicate a, a, a single family house too. That's kind of what, what we did with the rentals. My Burr method is similar if we use hard money. That's kind of like, it's a loan, but right. you're really using other people's money. So you're just right. doing that in a, and, and, and the thing is, so you, that's the mindset shift. If you say, if you, if imagine investors have a problem, the invest, the, the invest, the problem that the investors have that invest in the stock market, the problem they have is the stock market and it's volatile, unpredictable. Okay. Right. As we've seen recently, uh, number two, it doesn't produce cash flow like real estate does. So they can't use it as an exit strategy unless, you know, they have a lot of money in their portfolio and they live off 4% which no one ever does. And number three, they pay too many taxes. And so you as a real estate syndicator can help them with all three of those because the real estate syndications in general appreciate much faster, more consistently. So I can do more reliable planning. Number two, I get cash flow. And number three, I pay either no taxes or significantly less taxes. So all you have to do is have a conversation with a stock market investor and go, hey, how's the stock market treating you? And they're like, well, let me tell you. Well, I said, you know, here's what I've been doing and some of my, my, my closest friends. And now they're interested. They're like, what? Syndication? Is that, is that legal? Right? Now they're starting asking questions around that. And so what most people in the beginning, they're like, I, don't, I can't see myself raising money. That's ridiculous. What they find after they learn how to raise money is that it's actually the easier part of the business. It's actually surprisingly easy for, those, for the reasons I just mentioned. And if you get one, one person to say, oh my gosh, well, you find me an apartment building deal or a duplex or whatever, I, I, I might be interested in $50,000. And you're like, really? And I'm like, well, I got one dumb enough to, to want to invest me. Maybe I can do it again. Now, imagine having five dumb people uh, agree to invest $50,000 in your deal. Now you got a quarter million dollars behind you. Well, could you buy a million dollar apartment building? Well, you could, right? And many right. people do. And so it's the same thing, but different. Now in a Burr method, I have to do one at a time what happens with apartment buildings, even if let's say you buy a duplex, let's say you burr a duplex, but your long-term mindset is, I want to scale a multifamily portfolio. When you approach it that way, the first deal might be a duplex. The second deal is going to be 10 units. And the third deal is going to be 25 units. And the fourth deal is going to be 50 plus. It always, always happens. I wrote my entire book around it. It's called The Law of the First Deal. Because your comfort zone expands, you become a deal magnet and a money magnet. And you're not going to go back and do another duplex. No, that's too easy. It's too boring. So you're going to do a 10 unit. And so within three deals, most people are able to quit their jobs. In fact, most of them do it after their first deal because of the acquisition fees you pay at closing, right? You said, oh, flipping houses, I get paid in six months. With, at, with apartment buildings, you get paid at closing when you buy it, not even when you sell it. You get paid 3% of your purchase price when you buy it. You can't even do that with a house flip. I love it. I love it. So talk to me where I think a lot of people get nervous though. And I, I, it's funny because I am that guy who I started out with, um, 
single family. And I actually started out with the Burr method. That's why it still is my favorite. And now I do own commercial real estate. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, yeah, and so I am that guy. But talk to me about in the beginning where a lot of people get nervous at is they don't know what to say because you made the conversation seem so easy of like, hey, well, here's what I'm doing, me and my buddies. But for somebody that's listening at this and they're saying, okay, but I don't know, how do I know what type of return I can tell them to get? I don't know how to underwrite a deal. I don't know any of these things. So I'm brand new. What's that initial conversation so someone doesn't think that I'm crazy, especially if I don't come from the background of real estate and I'm trying to get somebody who knows that who I am so I have credibility, but not real estate credibility with them? Yeah, yeah, I got I got it. Now you're asking me a tackle question. And I will answer the tactical question, but I can answer ten of your tactical questions and you're still not gonna take uh take action, right? So in other words, there's gotta be a mindset shift around can I do this? Can I raise money? Can I appear more experienced than I am? Can I, can I do this without a track record? Right. Uh-huh. It, those are your biggest objections. If, if you feel that you can overcome those two in some way, then you can answer those other questions. So you still got to deal with those first because I can answer this particular question. You're going to come up with another five questions right afterwards. And you're still going to say, well, you know what? We never resolved the other two questions. So I'm just going to keep, well, you know, listen to podcasts. You know, I'll answer the question, though. I'll answer the question. Um, in in general, you don't really raise money. Okay, you're not going out there to raise money. What you're doing is you're being intentional with your conversations, and so and um, and you're sharing your enthusiasm. Here's what I here's what I mean. And this is this is all with a little bit of education. That the thing I'm, I'm I'm you know I'm sharing here right now. But you know, so the the first one is that you're not going out to raise raise money. You're just being intentional. So you're at, you know, the ball game with a bunch of other dads and what do you guys talk about? Talk about sports, the weather, politics, stupid stuff, right? Well, okay. Right. Don't don't do that. <clears throat> don't waste 10 minutes of your life talking about stupid stuff. You know, do a 60 second segue and go, "Hey man, you're not going to believe it uh, you know, or you might ask the question, here's a good one. You might ask a question. By the way, I'm just curious, what do you invest your money in?" All right? Also the conversation shifts to investing. Okay, now you're already in a ballpark. And now you can ask some questions and you can say, well, you're not going to believe what I'm doing. I'm, I'm getting in this apartment building stuff. Like, it's crazy. I, I got a coach and, you know, I got like three investors behind me and we're, I'm going to visit a property tomorrow. And, and they're like, what? You're doing what? Now the conversation is simply, you know, you asking some questions and then you sharing your enthusiasm. That's it. That's, that's raising capital. And this is just an example of, of many different things because you're going to ask me questions. Well, how do you analyze deals? How do you find the market? All this stuff, like all this stuff you can learn with, you know, a course or a mentor or something like that. The, the biggest thing I find is that people are hung up on the fact that they don't have, they have, they don't have 10 houses in their, in their portfolio. They haven't done this for more than five years. They don't have $250,000 in the bank. And in their mind, that has to happen before they can even contemplate this. So I'm just here to tell you that you don't need any kind of experience. You can overcome your lack of experience with just a little, little, a little bit of training, a little bit of yeah, a little bit of training, and uh, and some knowledge, and people overcome it all the time. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean that's so funny because that's exactly what people do, right? They just right when you answer those first two or three tactic questions, they go right into the other ones, and and yeah, and then at the end of it, you see them three <clears> months <throat> later, and they still haven't taken action on one thing. Yeah, I mean. At one point, you got to take, you have to invest in yourself. I mean, pick any strategy, the bird method, being a real estate broker. I mean, come on. You can listen and read books all day long. But at one point, you can say, okay, 
are you going to do this or not? Because if you are, you have to spend that thousand dollars that you talked about. You got to spend it on yourself because I don't have 30 minutes to explain to you the entirety of becoming an awesome real estate broker. No, there's an entire seminar possibly over a weekend that you have to go to and get really good at this thing. And then probably maybe I have a need a coach or work with you on that thing. So at one point you have to invest in yourself, but at first, but, but you're not going to do it if you don't believe you don't believe you can do it. Like if I can't believe I, I can do something, why would I ever take a step in that direction? It's pointless. So right. I'll just keep you busy by asking you a bunch of technical questions. Facts. I, I love it. I love how direct you are with it. Some people, this is going to ruffle some feathers, but they're listening to it and they're thinking to themselves, ah, that's a little bit of me. So let's go into the next point of talk to me about how do you get your students? How do you get any of the people who work with you to take that first step to take that action? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that do come to you that way. And so now. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now you've given them a couple books. Maybe they've read the, the dumb purple book. And now they're saying, okay, I, I want to do it. But like, how do you get people over that hump? What's like the small one or two things you do to get the wheels just spinning for them? I'll be honest with you, it's not easy. Uh, right after they, they, they read the dumb purple book, they should read the dumb yellow book, which of course is 250 pages. And I got to say, it is it is not an easy process. I, I got to be honest with you. Um, most of the people that finally pull the trigger and, and start working with us or, or you know someone like us is after many moons of listening to podcasts and reading books often enough before they go, huh, they're all kind of saying the same thing. You know, maybe I should do this. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to shortcut this where it, it is that one little thing that I can communicate within 10 minutes or less. That way I can sell more programs. I'd be, I'd be delighted. Um, but what is that thing? Um, I don't, I don't know what that one thing is. Uh, the only thing we can do is we can, we can share with you some ideas of how about how you can overcome your lack of experience with, for example, uh, using a script when you talk to brokers or, how you build a team behind you so you're not talking about your lack of track record, but you're leveraging the track record of your property manager, for example, right? Sharing small tactics like that where you see, oh gosh, there's something there. I, I see how it can overcome my lack of experience. Or I see I don't need a million dollars in a bank and I can see how I can might be able to raise it kind of in the, 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 the role play we just did here. Or what's, what's even more common is, is joint venturing with others. So people that come in have access to capital. Right. So there are people who maybe they're a medical doctor and they get the multifamily bug and they have access to capital. What they don't have access to is is uh, is deals. They don't really like spreadsheets. They don't like talking to brokers. They just want to raise play golf with their buddies and raise money. And so what happens is now there's a guy with a thousand dollars who is a hustler and a deal finder and they get together and that's a joint venture. It happens all the time. And so you share some things like that with people. Hey, you know what? If you get in this thing, you learn how to find a deal. I can guarantee you, you're going to find someone who wants to partner with you to bring the capital that you lack. And so, mm. you know, sharing some of these things uh, opens people's eyes. You have to have a bit of an open mind because we've been so seasoned over so many decades. We've watched so much HGTV flip this house that we're so seasoned 
that real estate means this one thing and that apartment buildings and commercial real estate in general is really for the big boys. And so it takes a lot of, a lot of unseasoning. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that. Um, now, let me ask you, for all of the, the upsides that there are in commercial and multifamily, for where do you see people, especially new investors, go wrong at? Because I'm sure there's also, there's a 90% who won't take action or it takes a lot of time to get over the moon. But those are 10% that just goes out and they fly out like a bat out of hell, right? And then you're like, whoa, 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 slow down. Right, you 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 got to know this and this and this. So, where do most people, new investors that you see, go wrong in that multifamily space? I I don't know if you if you go wrong. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the people that just kind of go be bad out of hell, and there's the other extreme who who just have to analyze everything to death. They have to have everything planned out 100. All the pieces have to be on the table, and of course, they never are, as you know, as an entrepreneur. And never right. So, though so I would say both are not ideal, but if I were to pick, I pick the guy that's le- that's running out the door ready to do something. You know, he's building the plane as it, you know, at in the air. <clears throat> like those people are going to be more successful than the other person. The other person has to overcome a lot of mind limiting beliefs and mindsets. The other guy, yes, okay, all they need is a little bit of knowledge and someone needs to throttle them a little bit. And yes, they'll make mistakes, mistakes, but it's not going to stop them from that. And I mean, I'm a little bit like that. I'm more of an action taker. I'm also analytical. But like the first apartment building deal I did, I didn't have a mentor. I took like a, a, like a like a class in 2006. It wasn't much of a class, right? And I was like, ah, I'm a smart guy. I can figure this out. And I got into the apartment thing and I had a, a professional tenant in there. You know what that is, a professional tenant? No, <laughs> they've been doing this long enough time that they know yeah. they know how to, all the tricks of the trade. They, they do. That's right. And they, they haven't paid rent for, for years. And they're not going to start with, a, with you either. Uh, and, and so, and so um, that guy was, uh, was a real, that was a real problem. And again, I had no backup, no support. It was just all me floundering around. You didn't right? at least so, have a property manager or anything? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but oh. he was on the wrong race. And he had no idea what he's doing. Okay. I mean, gotcha. it, was, it was like, it was awful. Anyway, so it took me a while to, to, to fire this property manager and, and get one that's actually familiar with Section 8 housing. For example, this was Section 8 housing. And it was like it was like lights out, right? And so these are all things that, you know, in hindsight, and at the time, I did have the money, right? It's not like I didn't have the money to invest in my education. I was like, I was a bit arrogant. I was like, I don't need this. I'll figure it out. I'm a, I'm a house flipper, you know? I'll figure this thing out. But any anyone who's been doing this for more than once would have said, "Hey, Michael, your property manager is probably not the right fit." Or, by the way, you probably shouldn't buy that house in the first place, you know. And so, you know, I'd say I have always underestimated uh, advisors and mentors and coaches. I, I no longer do that, but back in the day, I was like, "Ah, I don't need these people." And so, you asked that thousand dollars. I think if you have only a thousand dollars, where should you invest it? The answer to that question is in yourself. You will always get. Uh, the highest return on your investment when you invest in yourself. Every single time I've done it, it's always 10x. Always, 10. and every time I didn't do it, it always bit me in the butt. Right. Facts. How many apartment uh, units? How many doors do you have now? We have about about two thousand, about three hundred million dollars of real estate, and we've sold off about I don't know, maybe five hundred units. We're selling currently a couple couple buildings right now. We're financing one. And how, so how much did you start? I guess when you first started, your first your first deal was how many doors? It was a 12-unit. 12 12-unit 12 building. It was in uh, northeast Washington, D.C., where I'm originally from, northern Virginia. So it was, uh, And I flipped houses in, in the D.C. area, so it was in downtown. 
Awful place to buy, by the way, because of landlord-tenant laws. So, of course, another thing I didn't know. So, you know, you want to be careful in places like New York and California that are very pro-tenant and, and therefore very anti-landlord. Very difficult. Very difficult to navigate. Yeah. And, that, and so 12 units you started with, how long has it taken you to acquire the 2,000 now? Yeah, so that was in 2011, and I was extricating myself. Well, I wasn't really active looking for apartments until probably 2017. So <clears throat> I'm flipping houses. I get into an apartment building, but really the headline is I'm trying to get out of the restaurants, right? And so that took way longer. Okay, so I built one of these things for $300,000 back when I had my IPO millions, and I mm -hmm. sold it for $25,000 cash. Okay, I have to tell you what, and after having lost hundreds of thousand dollars in the process. So the extrication of selling restaurants or losing money is very difficult. Uh, and, and that's also when I started building the, um, uh, when I started blogging around apartments as well. So we didn't really get into our second deal until, until 2017. But once we got into that, once, once, once I decided that I did something I want to, I got out of the restaurants, thankfully, and that gave me the energy to focus on something else. So it's really been since 2017 and if you study people who get into multifamily industry, it is a very rapid ramp up for the reasons I mentioned. They, they get progressively larger. And so uh, this is why only in five short years we've had, you know, 2,500 units. Uh, but people even within a year can have 100 to 150 units, two or three deals. Um, very wow. common. Yeah, very I mean, like our first student, their first deal is right around 50 units, I'd say, which and most people coming into any program, they're like, yeah, you know what? 10 is good for me. But by, that, by the time we're done with them, they're doing more like 50 to 70 uh, unit deals. It's amazing. Wow. It's amazing yeah. how you can bend your mind on stuff. Like, for example, like, uh, you know, let's say your comfort zone is a duplex. Okay. And I'll, I'm telling Casanova, you, you got to get, you got you to gotta expand your mind, man. You got to get rid of your limiting beliefs. You're like, yeah, but duplex is fine with me. I said, you know, how about this? Why don't you, uh, why don't you tour a 15 unit? Call a broker and tour a 15 to 20 unit apartment building. And just do that. Do that once. And spend a couple hours touring, having lunch, maybe talking to a property manager. I will guarantee you that your comfort zone is no longer two. After that is probably at least five or possibly ten. You do it again and it gets bigger. It's amazing what happens to your comfort zone when you expose yourself to the next level. You're like, oh, that's not so bad. It's not so scary. I can maybe do that. Maybe. Try the right support. Yeah, no, for sure. They what? What's the saying? It's like a, a mind that has been expanded can no longer contract back to its original state. Uh, it's like right? inflation, and, exactly. Oh, it's it, it's yeah, absolutely. And I'm very much excited. That's one of the reasons why we're now, you know, down here in in Dallas. Uh, I'm one of the. I'm very very excited to be able to talk to a lot of more apartment building owners and commercial owners. And and uh, yeah, I mean, bigger's in my opinion, bigger's always better. But that's obviously uh, perspective. But one of the questions that that I have for you then is. Um, so as you get into the bigger, bigger deals, let me ask, what are the, the is there any type of a level that you now got to watch out for? So once you get, you know, past that 50, you know, 50 units, now you're looking for 150 units. Is there anything that then you say, hey, you still got to watch out for this because now this is a whole nother more money, more problems type situation. Yeah. What, ha what happens is you, after your first deal, you cross into what we call a dealmaker professional. We have like different names for different stages, but you become a professional. 
And that is because when you do your first deal, you, you really start really believe it for reals at this point. You're like, oh crap, I just did a deal. Maybe I got lucky, but I think I can do it again. And then your mind is more around scale. How can I do this again? And if you can do it again, then I can do it a third time. Well, wait a minute. Now I'm going to have start having a problem. In other words, when you do your first deal, it opens up this giant can of worms called building a business. And, you know, it, and, and it's like it starts off with one thing. You know, it's like yeah, you're, you think you're a real estate investor and you are. But when you reach a certain scale, you're really now more of just simply a business owner. And what the actual business underneath really is secondary. You're really just dealing with with sales, marketing, and human beings at this point. And so it, it does shift to scaling. And most syndicators don't do that because the way that we get into real estate in general is that it's always a side gig, right? It's always a side gig. It's all the side. And then you have some success. And then that's when you have to start shifting over to scaling. So most syndicators, early ones, don't make that shift soon enough. And I was one of those as well. I mean, I'm like literally the crash test dummy of financial freedom. But what happens is you do a deal, you do another deal, you do a third deal, you do a fourth deal, all of a sudden the wheels come off, right? You're like, oh, crap, things are breaking everywhere. I don't have enough people. I don't know about this. I don't have the right person on the team. And and so no one really sits down and plans forward. So we're actually starting to teach that now because we have enough people that have done a first deal and maybe quit their job is, oh, gosh, if I were to do it over again, how would I create my scaling plan? Like, well, how, how much revenue could you make? It's a staggering amount. Most people don't even realize how much money they can make in syndications. Well, how are you going to invest it? Are you just going to buy beer with it or are you going to do something? Like, should you maybe invest in marketing? Well, if so, how much and what are you going to do, right? How are you going to invest in people? Which people should you bring on in what order? Should you partner? Should you hire them? Are they 1099 or W2? Like all these questions that no one thinks about. So we're, we're encouraging people to start thinking about that. So again, to fast track their, their, their journey, mine not being apparently a fast track as I you know figure everything else on the fly. But now going back and looking at our systems that we built over the years, how can we help someone shortcut some of their own learning experience? Yeah, no, it's phenomenal. And that's the same thing. The same thing that uh, I was talking to uh, my wife about when we were talking about the daycare. So we own a couple of daycare centers. Um, and that was the same thing. I think cool. in the beginning, um, you, you're, you're trying to figure out these systems, these processes in your marketing for a lot of businesses. That's where they struggle at is in that marketing and that scaling side. And I think that that was definitely be because as you start to get, I think real estate has always not been sexy when it comes to the stock market or crypto. But once you get into multifamily, it does become sexy, right? When you can tell somebody that you own a hundred units, now all of a sudden it, it's so sexy, but on the backside, what's underneath the hood, right? If you don't have the right property management, if you don't have the right team in place, when things break, that's where a lot of people go wrong, but there's so much focus on the front end. So I, I, I love that you brought that part up and, and how you're helping more investors get part of that part or, or get past that. That part of the process. So, no, this is definitely uh, phenomenal. Let me ask: What's one thing that that I should ask you that I maybe haven't yet? Because I have some some things that are on my mind, but that's one thing that I want to know. What should I ask you, but I haven't yet? You know, I think we covered the most important things, Casanova, and that's because you're, you're asking questions around belief, right? Is is uh, you're you know you have a certain curiosity when you're interviewing someone, which I really like, and so. You, you know, you're asking a lot of things like, you know, basically come down to, can I do this? Could I do this? And I think those are the most fundamental questions to, to ask. A lot of times I'll do a webinar and, you know, you have a Q&A at the end. And I discourage people from asking tackle questions for the same reason I just kind of told you about that, because it's not going to help them. 
you really have to develop a belief in anything. You want to be a great agent or you want a Burr method, whatever. You have to develop a belief. So in other words, the tactic is not going to help you develop a belief unless it does. And then it's useful. And so I think we talked a lot about, you know, having an open mind around this stuff and not just dismissing an idea. You hear an idea like, oh, that's not for me. It could be anything. You know, it's like for me, to some degree, it's like, well, what about ground-up development? I'm like, ah, you know, it seems very risky to me. But the only reason I say that is because I don't know enough about it. I have to develop an open mind and maybe ask some curiosity questions to a ground-up developer. And I, I bet you if I did that, they would probably address some of my limiting beliefs or even false beliefs I have about something. And so every time you do that, it opens up your world. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that people should take away from this stuff is, you know, go, go listen to my podcast or read the yellow book and then ask yourself, you know, is that something, could I see myself possibly doing that? Yes, with the right tactics answered and the right level of support. And that's when transformation happens. So I, I, think, you, I think we're pretty thorough, man. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Let me ask, so for anybody that's listening to you right now and they say, man, Michael, it seems like he has it all figured out. I know that he, uh, you know, he went through a couple bumps in the beginning, but it seems like now he has it all figured out and he's way past me. Um, I, the way that I used to always phrase this question is I asked if there was one thing that you could change, what would it be? But then people would always say, I wouldn't change anything because it made me who I am. Oh, I would. Right. That's, that's what horse, I always that's, say. That's such horse, horse manure answer, man. A hundred percent. And so now, here's the thing. What's it better? A way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now I've learned it to ask the way that says, if there was one thing that you wish that you would have implemented sooner to accelerate your path on your journey to your dream of where you are today, let me know what would that one thing be? That's good. Another way to ask that question is what would you tell your younger self? How old are you? What would you tell yourself? Same yeah. thing. Because, because, yeah, well, do you have any regrets? Well, no, I am successful person. I don't have any regrets. It made me the person I am. Like, right. ridiculous. I would answer the same way, by the way, but, but, you know, but yeah, so the answer is, man, I, when I read that, first of all, I wish I would read that book when it came out. I think it came out in like 98 or something or 99. I can't remember, yeah. but I read it in 2000 freaking five. Okay. So that's number one. And now I'm, I'm forcing, forcing my kids to read the book and play the cash flow game. Uh, and then number two, I wish I would have been able to give myself my yellow book now because it's like the one thing is, is, is the idea and the other one is kind of the implementation. And, you know, so, but in general, but in general, I would have hired an advisor earlier. Like even when I got into the restaurant business, why, why would I get into the restaurant business without an advisor of some sort? Because now, fortunately, I found, I found this advisor while the crap was hitting the fan and he basically walked me off the ledge several times and kind of walked me through it. But man, that kind of guy would have probably talked me out of uh, doing what I was doing, given his experience, right? And right. he would have asked me questions. Have you thought about this? Have you, have you considered you know, personally signing a lease and what that could mean? No. Uh, what if things go badly? They won't. You know, uh, have you studied maybe the, um, the average franchisee, not the top 1% of the references given to you by the franchisor? No. Why would I do that? Right? So stuff like that. I would have invested in an advisor or mentor or coach of some sort. And like I said before, every time I've done it, I've not done it. It kicked me in the butt. And I did it for the house flipping, by the way. Actually, I, I signed up with a with a wholesaling mentor. He didn't teach me the construction side, but he taught me, you know, the marketing and the negotiation side. And, you know, within five months, I had two deals because I had a freaking mentor. So I would have done all those things differently. So I would have done many different things differently. 
Yeah, no, and I think that invest, invest into yourself. That's the number one way that you can get a return, right? Because we all want some type of a return. But if you feel like that you've grown both mentally, hopefully financially as well, that's the best way for you to be able to really see a return on any investment. It's into yourself. So this has been a phenomenal conversation, my brother. I want to be the first one to say thank you. And if nobody else has told you today, I appreciate you. Uh, We're going to make sure that we put all of the links in the show notes, of course. But let me ask for anybody who wants to stay directly connected with you. Let us know where can they find you at? Yeah, we mentioned the podcast in the yellow book. They have exactly the same title, Financial Freedom with Real Estate. And uh, we put up a a link just for you. And it's called you at the freedom podcast forward slash dream is where your listeners can find out both about the podcast and the book. So it's the freedom podcast forward slash dream. That way I can track all the all the you know all your listeners coming to our, our website. But there you can you can get a link to the podcast and you'll get a link to what we call our Freedom Vault. It's kind of our our uh, where we have all of our free resources and then there's like our ebook on how to raise money, how to analyze deals, but there's also a secret soft copy version of this book in there, which we don't advertise, but if you go in there, you also can download a copy of that book or you can buy it on Amazon for ten bucks. Either way, it's it's all in the Freedom Podcast forward slash dream. Love it. Love it. Well, there you have it. Uh, Again, I want to say thank you. This has been a phenomenal conversation. Remember, Dream Builder, just as he said, you have to take action. Believe first that you can achieve, but then you have to take action. Otherwise, that dream that you have, and we all have a dream, it'll only merely be a fantasy. That's all for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.